Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Hallelujah. It's great to be at church on a Sunday night, isn't it? It's great to be at church here tonight. I love what I feel. I feel so blessed. Thank you, praise team and music team leading us. Merry Christmas, everybody. And uh, I, I realize it's a fun time of year. And I hope we never forget the reason for the season. I'm so glad it came, aren't you? Praise the name of the Lord. I want you to open your spirit tonight. I believe the man of God's got a word for us. And we're so glad to have Pastor Wiley Reinhardt. Amen. Sister Lauren's father. He's carried many titles over the years, served in many capacities in the assemblies of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, they've called him bishop. He's been superintendent. He's been pastor. But tonight, he is Winston Lawson's and Cohen's grandfather. Amen. And uh, he said something about a toy date today and at the baby dedication of Cohen. And when he did, those boys perked up like that. I thought I heard one say, let's go right now. And all of us understand that. Pastor, we're so glad for you and Sister Reinhardt here tonight. Friends for really 20-some years now. I think 21, 22 years. Y'all were so graceful to have me to preach for you many years ago. And, uh, you know, we know, we're getting older because we're talking in decades. I think I made my first decent shot as a golfer with you. Had an eight iron, I remember that. Hit it with an eight iron. And it went straight. I think it was the first one ever. I think one time I was with you and I hit a bunch of golf balls and they went right in the pond. And I hit nine times. I think it was you who said, just pick it up and throw it over the pond. That's what I did. I picked it up, threw it over the pond, got on the other side and kept digging ditches all the way down the fairway. But we're so glad. Would you come and just open your heart with a right heart? We are so honored to have him to preach for us. Would you welcome him to the pulpit? So thankful for his wonderful wife here tonight. Amen. Let me... Let me say this before you take the pulpit. Sister Reinhardt, where, where is she sitting? Where is she at? Hey, Sister Reinhardt, wave your hand over there. And, and uh, I want to say this. She, God, opened a door through her, through jail ministries across our country, our fellowship. There were literally hundreds of people, women in the prisons, have been born again baptized and filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. For her ministry, she's leading the way in this. And we're so thankful. Would you give her a hand? Aren't we so glad she's here tonight? Thank God for women's ministry. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Bishop Bounds. You may be seated. I want to give honor to your pastor, Sister Bounds, and this beautiful church, to all the ministry that's here, Sunday school teachers and parking lot staff. You're important. Amen. Amen. What a wonderful church. It's our honor to be here. And thank you, Bishop, for opening up your pulpit. And I'm glad my daughter's here. Um, Lauren was a sharer. When she was old enough to talk, if she had two cookies, she said, you want a cookie, Daddy? And uh, so she's always had a big heart. And uh, brother and sister up to grave and their family. And I, I appreciate that she has wonderful 
in-laws too and a great family here at the Anchor Church that you've adopted my daughter and uh, I will sell you one-tenth of a grandson for a million dollars. That's it. Now, after tonight, it goes up. So, but uh, my wife's going to come and sing and uh, while she's coming, this is not my sermon, but I just want to tell you something. Um, if you're in a storm right now, if you're in a bad place, and if you're desperate, God has his hand on you. I, all my pride's gone. I was walking up the aisle here, and a young man kindly came up and said, your jacket's tucked into your pants. Like, I said, thank you, thank you. So all pride is gone. I don't have any more. But uh, I, went, I went through, I guess I'll call it a battle of the mind for uh, no better way to say it. And uh, for this period, it was like ni- 1989 to 1993 in that area. So it's been a long time ago. But I found myself calling on the name of Jesus 24-7. I just didn't like what was going through my mind. I would, I would meet the pastor after church, and my face would turn red, and I'd think, God's revealed to him what I'm thinking, and I was embarrassed. And my face would turn red, and, but I kept coming to the house of the Lord. On a Sunday night, I said, Lord, at this time we had church on Thursday night. I said, let, let whoever's preaching on Thursday night preach on grace if your grace is sufficient for me. I wasn't a preacher at that time. And uh, so Thursday night, we get to church. It's a quiet Bible study. And uh, he says, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And my knees started shaking. And then my great faith said, well, he might not read that. He might just read another part of the chapter. But when he, when he got to the verse of 12 and 7, began to read. I got up in that service and I started doing laps around the building just shouting hallelujah. I got back to my seat and I apologized. I said, I'm sorry for interrupting this service. I feel like I need to tell you. I asked God if his grace was sufficient for me to let whoever was preaching preach on grace. And uh, my wife didn't know what was going on. It was so bad. I felt like if I told anybody, it would just come to pass. So I just kept calling on the name of Jesus 24-7. So finally, I had a dream. And I'm an usher at the back of the church. And a gentleman goes, Psst. I walk over and he goes, such and such shouldn't go on tonight. I said, don't worry, it won't. Jesus just walked in. And in my dream, Jesus walked down the right side of the building and he stood right here in front of the platform. And I'm still an usher and I begin to think, oh no, Jesus is here and he knows what I'm thinking. My thoughts aren't pure and my thoughts aren't right. My thoughts are not right. And in my dream, Jesus began to leave and I said, I can't let him leave. Not without confessing. 
And I walked up that middle aisle, and by the time I got to Jesus, my face was in the carpet, and I was quoting Psalms 51. Create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. And I, I couldn't finish it. I never saw the face of the Lord, but in my dream, he got behind me, stood me up, and lifted my hands. He didn't say anything, but it was as if to say, just praise me. So in that dream, I began to say, hallelujah, hallelujah. And each time with more fervor and more energy than I could. And when I got to number seven, the Holy Ghost came. And I, in that dream, I began to speak with other tongues. So when I came back to church and they said, praise the Lord, I started saying hallelujah and counting. I'm sure a lot of people looked at me and said, what in the world is wrong with him? Because I can, I can boom it. But you know, when you want God, when you want deliverance, you know, I'm going to tell you, you're not going to head to Kroger's and you're not going to Disney World. You're going to head to the house of the Lord because this is where deliverance comes. When you get delivered, it's going to come by the word of a preacher. It's going to come by your pastor that's preaching every week. So I'm going to tell you, after I came through that, it was just one day I just realized that the Lord delivered me, and I just got up and testified and said, I thank you, Lord, I thank you. And I, eight years later, I'm preaching about the battle of the mind, and on the left side of the church, and we had pews, and I said, I want him in my mind all the time, at my job, in my home, in my car. I want him in my mind all the time. And at that moment, time stood still, like, and God said, look where you were then. And he showed me that dark night when my wife was crying and I didn't know what to do, but I had to get to the house of the Lord. And he said, look where you were then. Now look where you are now. And the contrast of those two moments was so overwhelming that I was overcome with gratefulness. And I began to speak in other tongues. I climbed on the front pew of our church and I said, Lord, if I could come up there, I'd come up there and give you a big hug. Somebody needs to know you're not alone. This storm that you're going through, God is guiding you through it. This hardship that you're going through, God is guiding you through it. This thing that, don't, that you can't seem to shake. Listen, it's not, it, I, I appreciate those one day storms. And they are real. But sometimes when you have to keep coming back to the house of the Lord time and time again, and you see somebody else getting their blessing, but you're not getting yours, keep coming back. Come back to midweek. Come back to Sunday morning. Come back to Sunday night and lift your hands and magnify the Lord because God knows exactly where you are. And say is preach preacher I can go and sit back down <laughs> but I'm just thankful to be here and I, I felt like I wanted to share do y'all want to hear my favorite prison story that's changed my life forever I want to share this with somebody because it's really on the, the the lines of what Pastor Wiley was saying and I'll just just my brief testimony and some of you know that I'm the arrested pastor's wife that's what I like to be presented as because you know what the trials you go through it's the greatest things you go through sometimes you'll see the greatest things happen from the worst things that happen to you and I am the arrested pastor's wife I was arrested in 2011 
but God. Three months before, I told Wiley we went to the jail and somebody wanted us to go visit him. And I said, that ain't my thing. I do conferences and I'm the pastor's wife and I do dinners. Jail ministry just ain't my thing. Who knows God has a sense of humor? You better not say that's not your thing. Long story short, he woke me up in the night. Prisoners are princesses too. Because see, their father is a king. It doesn't matter what you do. They're always going to be a princess. Now it's going to matter where they go. But it doesn't matter. They're a princess. Prisoners are princesses too. And my favorite story would have happened in Cleveland. And some of y'all might know this story before I tell you the end of it. But there was a pastor's daughter. And if you're sitting here and you think you've went too far, oh, you haven't. I've seen murderers filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Oh, yes, I have. The greatest things I've ever seen, a little 15-year-old girl had murdered. And she came down and and God started dealing with her and her lips started quivering and God filled her with the Holy Ghost. It was the most beautiful thing. But in Cleveland sits, even now, a pastor's daughter, a Bible quiz teacher. Her Her daddy was her pastor. But she strayed. She didn't have her own relationship. Young people, you gotta have your own relationship with God because you're not gonna get there on your mom and dad or your teachers. You're not gonna make it on that. And she ended up getting a boyfriend. He was waiting in the closet one Sunday night, just like tonight, and murdered her husband. And she sits in Cleveland prison now. I never met her, and Princess Within had traveled. We've had 34 conferences now. We just had one yesterday in Dayton. And 10 got the Holy Ghost yesterday. We had to fight some devils, but God filled some with the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. But we had this conference in Cleveland, Ohio. And I never met this girl. One of, one of the, the older pastor's wife went in. And we had our first session. And I heard God softly speak. You know, he'll softly speak to you. But if you're distracted, you're not going to hear him. You got you to gotta be open to hear him. He said, you have not because you ask not. And I was like, okay, he's wanting me to ask about baptism. So I went to the chaplain. And I said, can, I, can we? put a list out for baptism can we can I come back and baptize them no no I'll take care of it so I sat back down heard God again you have not because you ask not I went back to him sure sister Reinhardt put a list out and I was like yes I heard God yes sat back down I heard it again the third session you have not because you ask not and see Betty was the name of this pastor's daughter Hadn't been in a service in over 30 years, a Pentecostal service, and she wasn't on the list to be at our conference. And if you're not on the list, you don't get in. I can't make them change their rules. I heard it again. You have not because you ask not. And I was like, I already asked about baptism. And I'll never forget these words he said. He said, call for her. And I didn't even know her name. But I knew who he was talking about his child that went down in Jesus' name. And I said to the pastor's wife, do you know her name? 
the lady that's in here, she said, her name's Betty. And I said, would you please let Betty come to our conference? He said, no, ma'am, she's not on the list. She can't come. She can't come. So I sat back down. He said, call for her. So I went back. Would you please call for Betty? And he went and talked to the chaplain, and he came back to me, and his words was, we're calling for Betty Parrish. And she came to our fourth session. And I'll never forget as she walked towards me. She was about 60 years old. She had long red hair. Her hair was long, like a Pentecostal lady. But she had their striped pajamas on, you know. She was walking towards me. And I opened the door, and she said, Sister Reinhardt. She knew me from Princess Within. And I said, Betty. And I hugged her and embraced her. And these words as echoed in my head. She said, I wasn't scared Jesus wouldn't be waiting for me, but I've been so scared about the church, what they would think about me, what they've been thinking about me. And she came into that service, and I'm telling you, we seen going up yonder, and God moved on her and refilled her with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And the power of God was so strong on her. See, they're not scared of him, but sometimes they're scared of us. What do we think about them? Because if Jesus can fill a murderer, surely I can hug one. Surely I can love on one. So Betty now, fast forward a year, is given Bible studies in the prison. And she's actually, 10 of the inmates are sending ties to a church, a home missions church in Cleveland, Ohio. You've not gotten too far. Oh, no, you've not gone too far. Jesus wants to use your storm. He wants to use your brokenness. I'm just going to sing real quick an old song, if y'all will worship with me. I learned through my arrest. I used to thank God for the good. It's so easy. Thank him for the good. You got to thank him for the bad. In everything, give him thanks. Thank him for everything. You worship with me as I sing. My voice is gone because of that conference yesterday, but I'll try to try to do this key of a key of whatever I'll try whatever you give me I I've had bad days I'm gonna get really high on this and I've had hills to climb But when I look about and think these things all out, thank you, Lord, and all of the good days, pray for my voice, I can get this out, outweigh the bad days, I can't complain, thank you, Lord. I'm 
Sometimes the clouds hang low And I'd like to see them go And I ask this question, Lord How many's questioned the Lord before? Lord, why so much pain? Oh, this is the wonderful part you Lord I thank you Lord I thank you Lord for I can't complain hallelujah oh God is so good to me he is so good to me thank you Jesus and more than be he's so good to me so good to me Jesus and his spirit came to me and brought me victory and God is so to me, he's good to me, he's good to me. I can't complain. Thank you. Amen. Has the Lord been good to you? Amen. Mark chapter 6. Appreciate you standing for the word tonight. Mark chapter 6. Verse 47, don't you love the sound of the word of God being turned in the house of the Lord? Amen. Verse 47, and when even was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and he alone on the land. And he saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. About the fourth watch of the night, he cometh unto them walking upon the sea and would have passed by them. Thank God for the word tonight. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your presence that's in this house. Thank you, Lord, for everyone that's here today, God, for the faithful, for the visitors, for the guests, Lord, for each one. God, we pray that your word would saturate our hearts, change destinies, change lives. Write it upon our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. To get 
the full effect of this story, you have to consult the other gospels to get the whole story. There's multiple chapters that make up this story. And from that, I gather that one chapter cannot define our lives. If you're going through something right now, that's not the end of the story because God is for you. But you see, there's, there was another story in which Jesus was on the boat with him and he went to sleep. The Bible says in the hinder part of the ship. And what's curious, it says they awake him. How many people do you need to wake up one man? It would seem like one disciple could have done the job, but they awake him. What that tells me is somebody left their post. Here they are in a storm, and uh, they encourage Jesus to get on the boat with them. And, Lord, you know, you can take care of the miracles and the teaching. Now, now you're in our territory now, so that's probably a good place for you over there sleeping. That that's good. We'll, we'll get you to the other side if you want to go. But these seasoned fishermen got in a storm, and they knew the storms that they had been in, that this is it. We're, we're going to meet our maker. They went and woke up Jesus. They might have thought they was going to get an attaboy. But instead, what they got was rebuked for not having no faith. Sometimes it makes me wonder if, if I go to the Lord sometimes and I'm asking him for help and I'm getting rebuked. How is it that you have no faith? He already told them we're going to the other side. But now we find that the Bible says Jesus constrained his disciples to get into the ship. In verse 45, and they were going to the other side before under the best, under Bethsaida. He departed from them into a mountain to pray. So now the tables are turned and Jesus is not on the ship. So now even was come. Now it's getting dark. He saw them toiling in rowing. And when you read all the accounts of this, the Bible says in John that it was now dark and Jesus had not come. Did you know sometimes that God will let darkness encompass your lives? I think sometimes to see where our faith is. I don't know, I think we'd be a mess if every time we called on the Lord, he answered us. We, I don't think we'd be grateful. I don't think we'd be thankful. But sometimes, you see, when the pillar of fire and the pillar of cloud led them, when it got them to the sea, it went behind them. You see, because there's something greater than God going before you. There's something greater than God going before you. That's when he gets behind you and you know he's there that you can go ahead and take that step into the trouble because you know God has got your back. Anybody believe God's got your back tonight? So now it's, it's dark. He saw them toiling and rowing, and it was about the fourth watch of the night. Now it's, uh, it's 3 a.m., but I got to believe that these disciples uh, they were still smarting from the rebuke that Jesus gave them. How is it that you have no faith? And he said, I'm going to take you to the other side, but now they are alone and they are toiling in rowing. I've never rowed, but it is for the space of time. Rowing is the most difficult sport there is. And 
It's hard to believe, but cross-country screens, number one, but that's a much longer endeavor. But what happens when you row, it's uh, you really use every bit of oxygen that you have, and sometimes these Olympic rowers, at the end of the race, they will pass out. One rowing race is the equivalent of playing two NBA basketball games nonstop. They were toiling in rowing. Did you know God is not afraid to let you go through something that's hard? God's not afraid that if you break a sweat and give blood, sweat, and tears to the house of God. He prayed until his sweat became as great drops of blood and those uh, small the smallest veins in your body, they, they burst and came through the pores of his skin. He prayed until his sweat became as great drops of blood. Listen, the, the greatest treasures of my life are the storms that I've came through. It's not the check in the mail that's the greatest blessing of my life. It's that dark period that I came out of. It's that turmoil that he delivered me from. It's that storm that he walked me through. There isn't no hit song that all the kids are healthy and the refrigerator's full. But the songs that resonate with people is Humpty Dumpty set on a wall and Humpty Dumpty had a great fall and all the king's horses and all the king's men, they couldn't put Humpty back together again. But when you're broken, now God's getting up. Somebody needs to know that no matter how great the storm is, God is greater. No matter how great the storm is, God is greater. The Sea of Galilee was seven miles wide. It's not a very big lake in that context, but it's seven miles wide. And the Bible tells us that they were in the middle of the lake, so they had gone three and a half miles. I did the math. They were going about 34 feet a minute. It's possible that their boat was 34 feet long. Might have been shorter, might have been 20 feet, but you know, the Bible says that Jesus went walking on the water and would have passed them by. It's a whole lot easier to walk faster than 34 feet a minute. I mean, you 34 feet a minute, you can do that walking. Did you know sometimes God will slow us down so he can catch up? Sometimes we get ahead of God and he slows us down. 34 feet a minute, Jesus caught up with them. When they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed that it had been a spirit and cried out, for they all saw him and was troubled. And immediately he talked with them and said unto them, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. You see, I, I notice a redundancy in the Lord's words. They, they knew him as a man that could do great things. But if he said, it is I, he don't have to say, be not afraid. They just did not know all of Jesus that there was to know. If we know that he is here, it's automatic that you don't have to be afraid. If you know that God is here, then you know everything's going to be all right. Even if it's dark, you know everything's going to be all right. They had gone three to three and a half miles in nine hours. The word toiling there, it's tortured to vex with grievous pains of body and mind. 
But you know what? The storm was against them. The wind was against them because they were heading to Bethsaida, which is the house of fish. Listen, God is always headed in the direction to help somebody. Right now, his eyes roam to and fro in the earth looking for somebody to be strong for. You don't have to worry. If you're in trouble, God's looking for you. God had placed them in a perfect position. God had placed them in a place where he could show himself strong. Listen, somebody needs to know that you're going to make it. Sometimes the best we have to offer is our unbelief. That might be a little hard to swallow, but sometimes the best we have to offer is not much. As a matter of fact, you don't find Jesus talking about the disciples having great faith. You find the disciples often rebuked for their lack of faith. It was the women that said, he's arisen and he's went to Galilee. And they said, oh, these people are telling fairy tales. And the first thing Jesus did was abrade them when he walked through the wall and met with them. You don't find them having great faith, but you find the centurion said, I'm not worthy that he could come under my roof. Just send the word and it'll be done. You find the Syrophoenician woman who he called a dog and he ignored her. And she said, true, Lord, but even the dogs eat from the crumbs of the master's table. The great faith wasn't found in the church. So be careful how you judge somebody that walks in the back door. They might have more faith than you. You see, because sometimes we get used to Jesus and we think we know what he's going to do. What we need to do is erase the slate and said he can do anything. I like what the bishop said this morning. I, I, I'd rather be, uh, I don't want to be skeptical. I'd rather be gullible. Come on, somebody. Anybody believe that Jesus can do anything? Anybody believe that he can raise the dead? Do you believe that he can heal cancer? Do you believe that he can open blinded eyes? We are in the house of the Lord. And where Jesus is, anything can happen. God has placed us in a perfect position for faith. You see, if you'll stand in the storm, it seems like it's probable that the disciples kept getting into the same ship. But there's one ship where they are, it's getting ready to sink, as I said, and they, they were fearful. The boat was full, and then Jesus rebuked the winds, he rebuked the sea. Then another time, the, fit, the, the boat is sinking because it's full of a harvest. And the other ships had to come and help him because the boat was sinking. You know what that tells me? That if you'll stand in the storm, before long you're going to be standing in a harvest. If you'll stand in the storm, the harvest is on the way. If you'll keep on praising when you don't feel like raising your hands, when heavens are brass, the answer's on the way. Listen, it's not our feelings that make him strong. It's not even our faith that makes him strong. I'm glad, you know, the Bible is such a perfect book. I'm glad that line's in there, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. He still got it. You see, it's God that's carrying us. We're never going to find out what God can do. We're never going to even touch it. 
You're never going to. We can sit around and brainstorm after church and say, what does everybody think heaven's going to be like? You can't brainstorm what heaven's going to be like. It's never entered the heart of man the things that he's prepared. What happens when you fish all long, all night long and nothing happens? You cast the net again. I can't fix my marriage, but I can praise the one who can. I can't heal my daughter, but I can praise the one who can. I'll never forget, Lauren was, when Lauren gets sick, boy, I tell you what, she gets sick. I don't know if anybody's ever, after Sunday school, said, what are you craving? Well, I don't know, what are you craving? Well, personally, I'm craving Jello, Sprite, and chicken noodle soup. I don't think anybody does that. When you go through grocery land and you put that chicken noodle soup and that Jello and that Sprite, the cashier backs up and rings it up. Like I know somebody in that house is sick. So Lauren had thrown up 12 times, no exaggeration, and she was getting dehydrated if she wasn't already totally dehydrated. And uh, I knew Karen wouldn't be able to get out the next day. At this time, we only had one child. And uh, so I went to Myers and I got chicken noodle soup and jello and Sprite and broth, those things that she'd be able to eat the next day. But on the way home, I began to think, Lord, by your stripes, we're healed. It was almost as if God convicted me for going and buying that. So I, I go, I come back, Lauren's on the couch. I said, you are healed in Jesus' name. I promptly went to the refrigerator and fixed her a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and a big old glass of milk. Now, Karen wasn't privy to that conversation I'd had with the Lord. And she said, what is it you're doing? I said, Lauren is healed in Jesus' name. She started bouncing around that house like a chicken with her head cut off. He's the same God, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know, that was Paul's verse in Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever, because that's how we think as humans. But God corrected it in the book of Revelation. He said, first of all, I'm the God that is and then was and is to come. You see, God's is is the only one. His is comes before his was. We don't even understand the greatness of the God that we serve. Listen. God can do anything. It seems to be a rule of life where life is the hardest, the strongest faith emerges. It's said that the finest violins are made from the trees that cling to the highest peaks. Where the winds are most severe, the sweetest music may be found. Gales are nightingales in disguise. From those supercharged furnaces heated seven times hotter than ordinary emerges the purest gold. Faith flourishes in affliction, but languages in ease. Somebody needs to thank God for the storm that you're going through. Somebody needs to thank God for the hardship that you're going through. Because anything that causes you to call upon the name that's above every name is a good thing that's happened in your life. As a matter of fact, God said, when you move into these lands and you move into these houses that you didn't build, don't forget about me. How could anybody forget about God? The soldiers, they share their battle wounds. I've got a couple. I can show you. I've got ink right here. I mean, not ink. I've got lead, graphite right here. Pencil fight, school. I can't take my jacket and shirt off, but I got one right here. This bicep. I got two pieces that says, you survived a pencil fight 
in school. But listen, the things that we end up treasuring the most hurt us the most. It's when you come through it that you realize something great has happened. You see, and the Bible says that when Jesus comes back, it don't say scars. He's going to show us the wounds in his hand. Somebody needs to know that you can live with wounds. You see, trees, we can learn a lot from trees, but trees do not heal. Trees seal. It's called compartmentalization of decay in trees. It's only been a recent discovery in the last decade or two that when you take a chainsaw or you run into a tree with your automobile, immediately that tree begins to do some repair and it sends chemicals, if you will, to the edge of that wound that the bacteria doesn't like. What it does is it emits a signal it emits a food that the enemies don't like. Somebody needs to know tonight that, you're, that the devil don't like your praise. But when you begin to complain, you know what happens? You bring hell on the scene. You see, what we need to do is start saying some things that God likes, but the devil don't like. When you get wounded, start praising God. When you get wounded, don't get bitter. Don't get mad because unwittingly you're bringing hell by your side. But when you start praising through a storm, here come some angels. You see, Jesus, when he, when he got weak in the garden, here came the angels to strengthen him. Somebody needs to know tonight that what you say matters. The words that come out of your mouth matters. You see, the two princes of Midian, when Gideon, they went through the storm, the two princes of Midian, of Midian they were named Oreb and Zeb. Oreb and Zeb, one of them's name meant raven, the other name meant wolf. You see, and the Bible talks about that the ravens will pluck out the eyes. What happens when, when your sight is gone? This animal starts crying and the raven starts calling and here comes the wolf see what the raven is trying to do he's strong enough to poke out your eyes but he's not strong enough to get to your carcass so he teams up with the wolf and he calls the wolf and then once the wolf tears the carcass the raven can get what it wants you see orb and zeb work together and both of them were complainers they said, Gideon, why, why didn't you ask us to come and help I tell you what we're going to burn your house down with you guys in it I'd say that's probably the reason they didn't ask you. Listen, I don't think I want somebody working out. You didn't ask me. You know what they wanted? They wanted a little bit of the glory. But they had to know there was a battle going on. But listen, when you complain, you're going to be killed by other complainers. Somebody needs to bring a praiser next to you. You know, where two or three agree. There ain't no scripture in there where two or three get together and complain. There is no scripture. But if two or three can get together and agree, anything can happen. Come on, there's a whole lot more than two or three in here. There ain't no telling what God wants to do in Zanesville, Ohio. Listen, I'm, 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 I'm hurrying quickly. 
Somebody needs to know that standing still is making progress. It's perfectly fine sometimes to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. As a matter of fact, a lot of times we should do that more often. To stand still and see what Jesus has to say about the situation. The Bible talks about they were toiling in rowing. The word toiling there, in addition to grievous pains, it, it means a silicious stone. It's a black stone. It's known as a touchstone, finely grained. It's used for determining the quality of soft metals. So back in those days, you didn't go to, you didn't go to uh, the goldsmith or the pawn shop, but you, you went to a man with a touchstone and you would try to tell him that this is gold and what he would do, he would take that piece of gold and he would mark it upon this silicious black stone and the colors and trails that was left behind would tell him if it was pure gold or if there was copper and ore and other, other more less valuable metals in there. So there is no doubt that the disciples were in a test that day. And there is no doubt that the same God tests us. You know what? There's trials that come to this person's life and this person's life. You know, person A says, when I get everything all together, I'll start coming to church. This is where you get everything together. You don't wait to fix anything before you come here. This is where you come to get your life fixed. This is where you come to get your marriage fixed. Oh, I've heard it my whole life. When I get things together, I'll come to church. No, you've got it all wrong. This is where you get your life put back together. What we need to do is rub ourselves up along that Wednesday night Bible study. Rub yourself on that stone and see if there's some things that need to come out. Listen to some Sunday night preaching by your pastor and see if you got some copper in you. You see, what God wants to do is purify us. Listen, I really believe, I said, Lord, Lord, what do, you, what do you want me to tell this church tonight? You know what God wants? And Bishop, he alluded to it. Talking about everything being holy in your life. God wants more of you. The Bible couldn't be any clearer when it tells us to pray without ceasing. It's obviously not referring to being on your knees 24-7. But when the Bible says pray without ceasing, it's have God on your mind all the time. You know, the Bible said David waxed greater and greater because the Lord was with him. What we need to do is get the Lord with us. You see, I'm amazed. The Bible says they thronged him. They thronged him that day. But, the, but the, the woman who had just heard of Jesus, she said, if I just touch the hem of his garment, I know I'll be made whole. And so there, there, there may be a couple dozen people. They got his arms. They got his legs. They're surrounding him. And here she is all the way down to the bottom, and she touches Jesus. See, all those people were touching Jesus, but Jesus wasn't touching them. How many times do we come to church where that happens to us, where we can feel Jesus, but he's not touching us. 
Why? Because we need to have faith to interact with Jesus. Somebody needs to know that God wants more than our half commitment. God wants more than 75%. God wants our minds. If we can let the, the Spirit of God act as a prism for us. You see, God, Moses told the men, he said, God wants to speak to you in three days, so don't, don't be intimate with your wives. Wait until God has spoken unto you. You know what that did for the men? That calls them to look at their marriage through the prism of God. You know what? We'll do a whole lot better with our wives, men, if we'll look through the presence of God at our wives. As a matter of fact, we'll do a whole lot better with our troubles if we see them through the prism of God. If God is, if we can put God in the middle of everything that we need, put God in the middle of your temptation, put God in the middle of your marriage that you're having a problem with, put God... Come on, anybody believe that tonight? Somebody needs to know that God is for you. You see, they, there's another time they're on the ship with Jesus and they're heading to a man who's possessed with devils. Now this was another storm and he said, how is it that you have no faith? Here they are rebuked again. The Bible says, the reason they didn't have any faith, they said, what manner of man is this that this is so wonderful, he even calms the storm and calms the wind. But Jesus, Jesus didn't care anything for that compliment because the Bible says their heart was hardened because they forgot what he had just done with the bread. Listen, we need to be a little bit better at putting two and two together. What the Bible's telling us there, if God can feed 5,000 men, women, and children with one boy's lunch, then he can do anything. If God healed you yesterday, then he can heal your children today. When your pastor tells about miracles from 20 years ago, God hasn't changed. He can still do those miracles today. Somebody needs to understand, if God did it yesterday, he can do it today. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise tonight. Come on, does anybody hear the sound of the abundance of rain? Paul said, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Stand with me. He said, I can do all things through Christ with strength in me. That would sound pretty good if it was a guy living in a mansion on top of a hill and he drove a Benz on the odd days and a BMW on the even days. But no, that was written by a man that was in prison. That kind of changes the situation a little bit. The Bible says he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. That was written in a prison. Somebody needs to understand that God had him right that there so we wouldn't have any excuse. Somebody needs to know that you can do all things through Christ. You can do all things through Christ. Musicians, if you'd come. Bible says that Moses chose to endure the hardships rather than the pleasures of sin. He chose the hardship versus 
He esteemed the riches of Christ greater than the riches of Egypt. Then the Bible says that there's pleasures in sin for a season. The word pleasure there is echo. I don't know if anybody's ever been to a canyon where you hollered something and you only heard your voice coming back. But that's what sin will do. Sin will end up with the only voice you got in your life is your own. Somebody needs to fall in love with the preacher tonight. Somebody needs to fall in love with the anchor here in Zanesville and say, I'll tell you what, when's your midweek? I'm going to be back because I got some things I need the Lord to work on. The most pitiful man or woman on the earth is the one that has their own, their own counsel as that's it. If I was to listen to what I thought, I'd be of all men most miserable. But God is here tonight to touch you. Matter of fact, we're thinking about putting on our church sign. We're in distress, we're in debt, and we're discontented. See, though, that was, the, that was the resume of all the men that came and joined David in the cave. You can read, they had 400 of them. One chapter later, they had 600. Sometimes, don't, don't be looking at what somebody you think they're worth in here. If one could put 1,000 to flight and two can put 10,000, then the last person to church is the most powerful one that walks in. I want somebody to be encouraged tonight that God has positioned you for a miracle. God has positioned this church for revival. Listen, it was God that put them in the ship. It was God that saw them toiling. It was God that went to them. It was God that took them to the house of fish. Everybody in here is on a different journey. I'm telling you, there are storms in here. There are hurting people in here. There's people desperate for a word. And God knows exactly where you are. God took the disciples through a storm to reach a man that was living in a storm. That was his abode. In the graveyard, cutting himself with stones. Bound with fetters, but he broke them. He had been through storms, and everybody knows storms don't quit just like that. It was a great storm, the tempest, and all of a sudden, here comes Jesus. We don't know the backstory of the man. If you're living in a graveyard, you can't even answer for yourself. I've met some pretty devilish people, and sometimes I guess I've been kind of that way in my life one time or another. I still ain't met the person that couldn't answer for themselves. What's your name? Legion, for we are many. The Bible says he left him clothed, sitting in his right mind. That's a God that can do anything. Whatever you need is here in this house tonight. Listen, I want to insert this here. If you don't get the answer tonight, keep coming back. See, God's wanting you to draw closer. If he answered every prayer, every time anybody prayed it, 
Did you know we wouldn't have the book of Job if he said, hold on a minute, we're going to stop right there. But the enemy lined up messenger after messenger who kept interrupting with succeeding worse news until finally said all 10 of your children are dead. And we don't find God intervening at all until Job prayed for his friends. So keep coming to church. Keep coming. I'm telling you, in any given year, in any given year, we can all hold up one hand and say the services that impacted us. You see, it's not those services that you might remember that causes you to succeed. It's all those Bible studies. It's all those Sunday nights and Sunday mornings that you maybe can't remember. That's what caused you to succeed is being faithful to the house of God. Come on, let's lift up our hands and praise him right now. Come on, somebody call upon the name that's above every name. I don't know what your tradition is here, but let's come and stand if you need a touch tonight. If you need delivered, if you need the Holy Ghost. If you're in a storm and you don't know where the end's going to be, I encourage you to keep going. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.